This is the Smoke Detector Show on Smoke Radio. Hi everyone, welcome to February's Smoke Detector. This month I'm talking to you from France, where I'm volunteering as an aid worker for Care for Calais. I'll be distributing food and clothes to refugees who are camping here. Obviously, I'm exploring this in a different way to usual, with COVID-19 still creating many restrictions in both France and the UK. I'll go through all the details of that later, but for now, here's the news relating to the global migrant situation. In 2020, at least 5,000 refugees crossed the channel in dinghies, according to the Home Affairs Committee. 98% of these people claimed asylum in the UK, which means they are hoping to be granted the right to remain here due to risk of persecution in their home country. Many of these migrants will have crossed from Calais, where they have travelled across Europe to for temporary settlement before they can make it to England. Here's Caroline Noakes, British Immigration Minister, speaking to Al Jazeera English about how the government is acting in response. What we're doing is constantly reviewing the resources that we need, uh, continuing the really important work with the French, and it's uh, absolutely critical that we share information at the highest and the most effective level, because, of course, what we want to do is to make sure that people don't set sail across the Channel, making really perilous journeys at a treacherous time of the year. Globally, the UNHCR reports that there were 4.2 million stateless people in mid-2020, waiting in 79 different countries to hear whether they can stay. It's likely that the real figure is much higher. So while it may seem like a lot of refugees are arriving in the UK, 86% of them are actually hosted by developing countries such as Syria or slightly more developed nations such as Turkey. Here in the north of France, Care for Calais aims to provide help for those who end up in the city and the surrounding areas. The volunteer-run charity was set up by Claire Mosley and helps refugees throughout France and Belgium. In Calais alone, there are around 700 migrants sleeping rough after the jungle was destroyed in 2016. So that's why my mum, dad and I have come to help. Usually, I'd be back in London attending on-campus classes now, but the COVID-19 pandemic has meant that, like the rest of you, my classes are online. Seeing as they are all recorded, I thought I could come to Calais without missing too much. We arrived yesterday after driving through the Channel Tunnel. I was actually able to attend a seminar while under the sea, which was pretty cool. It's working perfect. Uh, if you could switch on your camera, that would be good as well. And now I'm speaking to you from our little Airbnb, which is a 15-minute walk from Care for Calais distribution centre. We wanted to volunteer for two weeks, but the new COVID restrictions meant that we have to quarantine for seven days after arriving. So now we can only help out for one week. We received negative PCR test results before coming, and we'll do the same before we arrive back to the UK, where we'll then quarantine for another 10 days. We are eager to help, but not if it risks spreading coronavirus. After receiving yet more negative test results, we were able to start volunteering. There's a really dedicated team at Care for Calais that works every day to make sure migrants are getting the support they need. Here's Imogen Hardman, one of the operations managers, chatting to me about what they do. My 
my name is Imogen Harbin. I am one of the operations coordinators for Care for Calais, based in northern France, running our operations across Calais, Dunkirk, Brussels and Paris. Can you just explain what is Care for Calais when it was founded and everything like that? Yeah, of course. So Care for Calais is a direct aid organisation um, working in northern France. It was set up in 2015 in response to the growing refugee crisis. So back then there were about 10,000 refugees living in Calais in what was known as the jungle, so a very large camp. Um, of people from all over the world that were coming to Calais to try and make it to the UK. Um, it was set up to deliver aid, to deliver support, different services, um, and also just to equip volunteers to advocate for refugees' rights. So um, we would bring teams of volunteers over, he would meet refugees, and we know that they would go back as stronger advocates for the refugees, be able to talk to their friends and family, and also the media about the situation here. Yeah, okay. Um, and how long have you been involved with Calais? Um, so I started at Calais in October 2020. So I've been here for just over three months. Um, and I'd been out to Calais a number of times before with different organisations, but just volunteering in my kind of holiday times. This job came up um, and it's something that I've always been passionate about, supporting refugees. And it was something that's happening so close to home that it felt like the right thing to do to come out and be able to support people as best we can. Cool, okay. Um, so what made you want to get involved? Um, you know, I was living in London and, you know, knowing that just over the channel there were kind of hundreds or thousands of people living in really horrible situations, being treated quite badly by authorities, both funded by the UK and the French um, government. It felt like it was a way to come over and make a difference and also show people, like the refugees living here, that, that we do care and that there are people who care about them and want to support them and anything that we can do to make that living situation a little bit easier um, really important. So what does a typical day with Calf Calais look like? Um, so a typical day always starts in the warehouse so we have a fantastic volunteer team who come in in the morning and they help us prep and get ready for a distribution of aid and delivery of services in the afternoon so people come in we always do a briefing with everyone and then the um, jobs for the day are usually to make sure that we've got items ready to distribute so we distribute we try and distribute one item to everyone at a certain site so it's about making sure that we have enough good quality for example jumpers to distribute um, so we prep those we pack all of our vans and then we prep our services so we offer services like phone charging and um, sewing so that we can um, help the guys keep their clothes for a bit longer and um, we offer hot drinks and biscuits so we prep all the urns all the hot drink cups um, and then we also offer things like bike maintenance um, and we also take along footballs cricket sets um, notepads pens and chalk um, to be able to kind of play games and we basically then spend our afternoons out at a distribution site so there are no um, official refugee camps in Calais anymore but there are unauthorised settlements and also distribution sites that we go to. Where are the refugees commonly from? Um, so lots of different places. A lot of the sites that we go to now, because there is no official camp, there's no jungle, people tend to congregate in similar nationalities or maybe a shared language or a shared culture. Um, so we have a site, for example, where it's just Eritrean people who are living there. Um, we also have a site that is um, Kurdish, Afghan, Iranian, Iraqi. Um, and then there are a couple of sites where the majority of people are Sudanese. Um, but we do have occasionally people from Niger, from Nigeria, from Chad as well. Um, and we also have a few Syrian people and even a couple of people from Egypt as well. Okay. Wow. What are the living conditions like at the settlement? Um, so the living conditions are really horrible. Um, 
especially now it's winter it's really cold and because Calais is by the sea it's always really wet and windy as well so a lot of the sites that we go to are very muddy they're very waterlogged and um, they're usually not a site that you could ever imagine living at and the guys are having to live in tents or even just with tarps for cover we often try and reach them with sleeping bags and blankets things that will keep them warm um, but the sites they're really dirty and um, there's no decent water sanitation usually provided so there isn't anywhere for them to go to the toilet in privacy and um, there isn't usually running water or clean water for them to drink um, we also try and reach people with packs of food so um, that's like tins oil rice tea um, sugar spices um, and so once a week we'll go out and deliver these food packs across the sites which gives them something to cook but again there isn't always space for them to do that and um, they that requires them to have access to firewood and um, for example um, or somewhere that is safe to to cook a lot of the refugees try and sleep in wooded areas so areas with trees and um, because it keeps them a bit more hidden from the general public and from the French authorities um, but what has happened over the last few months is as a way to deter people from staying in Calais, which is kind of the French authorities um, idea of how to deal with the situation here, there's been a lot of clearances. So trees have been cut down and big mass vast amounts of areas along Calais have been um, effectively destroyed and are no longer suitable places for people to sleep and um, that also has a knock-on effect and makes the sites much more waterlogged it makes them much muddier and much more inhospitable um, we also have quite a few people who've been forced into the town centre of Calais so they're sleeping um, along the canal um, under certain bridges but obviously very exposed to the public it does provide them with a bit of shelter but they are constantly moved on by the police um, we found that the police are doing a eviction or a clearance every 48 hours around Calais and Dunkirk and that involves if people haven't been able to get up and collect all of their belongings and carry them with them for the day they've been taken they've been confiscated and occasionally um, the people themselves the refugees are put onto buses and taken away to what the French call camps which are usually kind of abandoned hotels or abandoned um, shipping containers which um, is where they're then housed but those are always outside of Calais so all of the guys will tend to return to Calais and try and find somewhere new to sleep but since I've been here over the last few months because of the mass clearances of the trees and the sites there are fewer and fewer places for people to sleep and they're being forced into the town centre where they're much more obvious and then mm. they also face discrimination from the people living in Calais and then constant police presence as well. Okay yeah and is it difficult like I know that I've found when I've been volunteering here like going home to a nice apartment at the end of the day so what is it like kind of separating between personal life and work yeah it's it's incredibly difficult it's probably the thing that I struggle with the most especially if we go out and we distribute in all weathers um and every single day and so we often are out in the pouring rain and um, we're seeing people who don't have adequate shoes they don't have an adequate warm um, coat to keep them dry either and we do what we can to reach as many people as possible but there are nearly 600 people in Calais 300 people in Dunkirk 350 people in Brussels so over a thousand people to support every week is a huge number and we rely solely on donations and the generosity of Care for Calais supporters um, to be able to buy and source the items that we need so um, I it's really difficult when it's been a really wet a really cold a really windy day to go home sit in my flat and know that my feet will get dry I'll be able to have a warm shower and I will be warm and dry in the end and I've got somewhere safe to sleep um so it's really hard I think what keeps me going is knowing that we will be out again the next day and we will be distributing again so yeah on that note what is the most rewarding part of working here 
Um, I think for me, um, it's just about being able to spend my time with um, fantastic, passionate volunteers who care about the situation as much as we do, um, and also to spend the time with the refugees. Um, the people that we meet are incredibly interesting. Um, you know, they've all escaped un unimaginable trauma and unimaginable journeys just to get to Calais, but they are kind, they're generous, they're funny, um, and they offer us a chance just to have a bit of normality ourselves as well. So I love going out on those distributions um, chatting to people because I've been here for a while now a lot of people feel like friends and we're able to catch up um, we talk a lot about the UK because obviously everyone almost everyone here wants to make it to the UK so it's nice to kind of share a bit about the country that I'm from I learn the, about the countries that they're from as well and we're able to have jokes we're able to laugh cool and then finally like what's the main thing you'll take away from this experience <laughs> um, I think there's lots of things but I think um, for me the biggest thing is you know that everyone deserves to be treated with dignity everyone deserves to um be able to choose where they want to live um to be able to escape terrible situations in their countries and find somewhere safe um to live and to continue their lives and i think i will just take away all the fantastic things that i've learned from my fellow volunteers and from the refugees themselves um and just to know that hopefully we've made a tiny bit of difference to their lives and offered them a bit of a chance to have some normality and also know that people do care about them and that they are welcome wherever they choose to settle So, as you can see, there's a lot going on in Calais with the refugee situation, and it was great to experience that earlier this month. If you're interested in volunteering with or donating to Care for Calais, I can't recommend it enough. My thanks to Imogen and the amazing team there. Credit goes to Al Jazeera English and Patrick Petrikios on YouTube. See you next month. This is the Smoke Detector Show on Smoke Radio.